You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The book of 2 Timothy was written around AD 68. This is Paul's final letter. This is Paul's swan song, they say. It's his final will and testament. As you read through 1 Timothy, and by the way, you ought to read the books and pair them together. That's how Paul intended. But 1 Timothy deals with the preacher and his relationship to the church. Paul lays out many different instructions and principles that Timothy is a man of God would need to uphold and abide by to be a proper shepherd, a bishop in the local church. But now as we come to 2 Timothy, Paul's not dealing with Timothy and his relationship to the church, but now he's dealing with the preacher and his relationship with the world in which he would live. In the closing chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul testifies that he is ready to go. Paul has endured. Paul has run many laps in his race. Paul has many miles under his belt. And Paul says, I'm ready to leave this world and to see the Lord face to face. As you read the last chapter of the book of Timothy, he makes that stiletto statement. He said, I fought a good fight. I've finished the course and I've kept the faith. And by the way, let me stop and say, I love folks who start right, but I'm much more impressed with folks who finish well. And thank God for everyone who's gotten started, but we ought to strive to finish right. And I like it. Paul said, I'm going to cross the finish line and I'm not going to have to hang my head and I'm not going to have to hide in the shadows, but I can finish my course with joy. As Paul takes his pen, he makes his final strokes upon parchment. Not long after he writes this inspired letter, his head will be severed from his shoulders. You study the verses that make up this letter. And Paul's final words are words of advice. They're words of comfort. They're words of exhortation. They're words of encouragement and words of warning to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. What I like about Paul is this. Though Paul is an older preacher, and no doubt he's worn and wearied and he's weathered from all these years of serving God. He finds himself even sitting now in a prison cell. It's very obvious he's had a rough stretch in the ministry. But thank God he never lost his zeal. He never dipped his colors and never turned his back on what he'd always preached before. You study the introduction to Timothy and you'll find some things out about the Apostle Paul. Just these first five, five verses teach us some things about the old preacher. Number one, they tell us that Paul loved the ministry. I like that about Paul. He said, I'm an apostle by the will of God. He never got soured to serving God. He never got jaded about doing the work of the Lord. He never got in and out. He was still on fire about the work God called him to do. And can I say, if God was good enough to get you in, he's good enough to serve all the days of your life. You say, but the honeymoon's wore off. That's all right. The marriage is still good. And you ought to stay in it for the glory of God. I wouldn't give you a dime for a preacher that can preach in season but won't preach out of season. I like that. Paul loved the ministry. Not only did he love, by the way, you ought to love your ministry. Not only did he love the ministry, but it's evident Paul loved Timothy. He called him his dearly beloved son. He was not his natural son, but he was his son in the faith. And Paul took Timothy under his wing and he mentored that young preacher so 
that he could succeed in his generation. If you're a seasoned saint, you ought to have a starting saint or a new convert that you're training up in the ways of the Lord. Everyone who's been saved a good amount of time, you ought to be investing and teaching and training and mentoring another believer. It's obvious that Paul loved the ministry. It's obvious that Paul loved Timothy. But all of that is rooted in the fact it's obvious Paul loved the Lord. All throughout these five verses, he talks about the grace of God and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in his life. And I think that's what kept Paul pressing forward in his ministry. He loved the Lord, he loved the ministry, and he loved people. Now, Paul understands that his race is almost run. He understands his song has almost ended. He is writing the final chapter of his life. And what I like about Paul is that Paul has not become some old critical, cantankerous, closed-in old preacher in a prison cell. I mean, just running down everybody coming behind him. But he's investing in this young man named Timothy. He made a decision. I'm not going to be a critic. I'm going to be an investor. I want to pass the baton of truth to another generation. Paul understood I'm almost finished, but there's still more work to do for God. And let me say, my, 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 how we need that in this generation. We need some older men of God that will invest in some younger men of God. I thank God for the Pauls that I've had in my life and the Elijahs that I've had in my life. And I thank God for older men that invest in younger men. And I'm glad, I'm glad our pastor does that. Have you noticed most of the staff is much younger, but I'm glad that he'll help us along and train us up so that we can go forward for God. And let me say, every younger preacher ought to be humble enough to let an older preacher help them in the ministry. The younger generation says, well, that older generation, that's because you're too big of a punk and know it all. They'll teach it at their feet and learn. Say amen right there. I feel better about that. But he invests in the life of Timothy. He deposits some truth into his life to carry this young man through days of apathy and apostasy. Now, when you consider the context of 2 Timothy, it is a letter written for the last days. Paul is in his last days. But he's writing to Timothy who would serve in the last days. It deals with the climate of the last days. It deals with the culture of the last days. And it deals with the conduct that you see in the last days. Paul has been in the saddle a long time. He's endured many things. He's fought many battles. He knows a little something about the ministry. He's witnessed and warred and worshipped and walked through a lot in his life. He's seen change and compromise. He's seen servants fall. He's seen error rise and he says Timothy I want to give you some things that I've learned by experience that can carry you through the days in which you're going to serve the Lord. I feel sorry for Paul. I feel sad for him in a way because if you study out first and second Timothy Paul dealt with a lot of heartache in the ministry and the problem is most of the heartache he dealt with did not come from the devil. It came from the brethren. It didn't come from the enemy without. It came from those within the ranks of the church. You study it out. And he dealt with dividers and discouragers and deserters and deceivers and devils and all of that is prevalent in the last days. He calls out a man named Demas who used to serve with him. And then Demas forsook him because he loved the world more than he loved God. He calls out a couple in our chapter right here, Homogenes and Phagellus and others. He names Alexander the coppersmith by name. He's been forsaken. He's been fought on every side. And look at verse 15. He said, everyone in Asia has turned away from me. I think that's why he told Timothy, you're going to have to fight a good fight. 
You're going to have to endure hardness. You're going to have to war a good warfare. So here's what he does. This is all introduction. The seasoned preacher takes his pen and gives some things to this younger generation so that they could press on in godless days. Paul does not sugarcoat the reality. Timothy, you're going to be living in a hard day. But he doesn't leave Timothy without hope in that hard day. In fact, I think he would say, don't be discouraged and don't be derailed and don't be defeated and don't let yourself get down. There is still an opportunity to do the will of God even in a hard day. Let me say Noah did the will of God in a hard day. Elijah did the will of God in a hard day. Daniel did the will of God in a hard day. Samson to an extent did the will of God in a hard day. Esther did the will of God in a hard day and that was Timothy's task to serve God in a hard day a day that was carnal a day that was compromising a day that was contentious the closing days of the age they were absolutely crazy days to serve in days of rampant sin days of rampant apathy days where apostasy was creeping in the church but it did not negate and it did not nullify Timothy's command to the will of God in his generation. And let me say the same thing's true for us. I know it's a hard day, and I know it's a dark hour, and I know it's difficult, and I know we're not on the upper end of the spectrum when the odds are considered, but it's still the will of God for us to do the will of God in our generation. It's not time to pack it in. It's not time to shut it down. It's not time to skim it back. It's not time to cut services. It's not time to drop the banner. It is in so much the more as you see the day approach him. Shame on the child of God that have faith in days like this. What a day for God to do a work in our generation. You say it's a great need. Yeah, a great need of revival and God can still send it in our day. It's a crazy day, no doubt about it. I was trying to write down some things to mention in passing. I thought I'll just write them on my cue card and then I ran out of room on my cue card. Of all the crazy things happening right now in our world. This is just from this afternoon. 24% our national debt will rise if they pass Biden's Build Back Better plan. Crazy day. Newsom, Governor Newsom, sorry to be respectful. I don't know why, but we'll just do it. Governor Newsom came out, I mean, just totally uh, in, in a tizzy over the fact that the Supreme Court upheld Texas heartbeat abortion law. You know, now you can't kill a baby that not, it has a heartbeat, you can't kill it. What a, what, what, a, what a sick individual that would want to murder a human. I mean, their heart beating in the womb of its mother, and he's upset about that. While he drinks his wine and goes to his parties, he's all in a tizzy about it. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna use that precedent now set in Texas to take away gun rights in California. I'll say hell can't be hot and I hope he gets saved. But a millstone is not is too light for somebody like that. That's a wicked man right there. He better get right with God. He better get right before judgment comes. I saw, and this is secular, but that's okay. Most of you will know it. James Bond, the next James Bond movie, the producer said James Bond will be non-binary. I'm not even sure what that means. I saw a high school football player got beat almost to death in California. He was walking out of the locker room and three of his teammates jumped him and beat him and fractured his skull because he was dating a girl that one of the other ones liked. I saw a video of a high school girls basketball game in California 
And the girls got involved in a hard foul, and the mother said, you ought to hit her from the stands. And that girl went up and sucker punched the other one, gave her a concussion, put her in the hospital. These are high school students. They say in the 90s and the early 2000s, the average age of coming out of the closet as a sodomite homosexual was in the mid-20s. Now in 2021, it's 14. Divorce over, it's getting quiet. Divorce over 50%. Inflation out of control. Diseases out of control. Marriages falling apart. Sodomy paraded and applauded. I was in Atlanta airport in Georgia. It used to be a red state. And everywhere you go, used to smell camel cigarettes and Marlboro cigarettes and whatever else they were. But now everywhere you go, you smell the unmistakable aroma of marijuana in the air. I mean, they'd get on us for not wearing a mask as we walk down the aisle of a grocery store in the promote a man or a woman smoking a joint, getting in a car and driving down the highway. Can I say these are crazy days that we're living in in 2021. I think about what's going on in our schools. Well, they'll teach kids about contraception, but not the Constitution. They'll teach them about sex ed in kindergarten. They'll let them get gender reassignment uh, hormones and not tell their parents. I don't know. It just kind of upsets me a little bit. It's sad. I mean, folks are losing their jobs because they won't take a shot. And then other folks don't want to get a job because it's really be a welfare bum and live on the couch and let our taxpayers give them a paycheck. I think about the women I see out there in the shopping centers and I'm not going to talk about their wardrobe, that's obvious, but I'm talking about their language. I mean, it's bad when a man cusses, but I, I don't, I can't expect that. But it is sorry and sad when their mothers with little children walking down the aisle of TJ Maxx and cussing like a sailor in front of their children. I saw a young person with their mother cussing and then that young person, eight or nine, you in the same language. Crazy days. CNN's falling apart because all their anchors and things are perverts. Big shock. Didn't see that coming. Joe Biden went on the, uh, on the case to champion a man who lied about getting beat by Trump supporters. Of course, he doesn't remember doing it, so he's not going to apologize. Crazy days. Legalizing gambling and pushing more gambling, sports gambling, can't even watch a football game or a baseball game without them telling you the numbers. Disney promoting the LGBTQ whatever lifestyle and all of their new videos. I don't know, there's a lot of things I spend money on that I probably ought not, but that's one thing I don't have to spend money on. Just go get COVID anyway. I mean, Coke doing the same thing. I was telling pastor before Notre Dame Cathedral is under a restoration project in France and Notre Dame of course would not be our stripe and I'm not even sure if you could get saved in one of their services, probably not, but this still bothered me. It's a place uh, they would say it's, it's a religious building. They're doing a restoration on Notre Dame Cathedral and they're not restoring it to a, uh, what it should be. What they're doing is they're ripping out certain things and putting in new things. This is going to be like a woke place. They're going to bring street art in and hang it all over Notre Dame and I thought it was interesting. I told pastor one of the things they were first to rip out were the altars all around that place. Can I say the world doesn't like an altar because an altar is where you get right with God. We're living in crazy days. I mean, it's crazy in our culture, the smash and grab things going on in our area. I mean, I took my son out on Thursday, our day off, and we went shopping and got his mother some things for, I shouldn't have said that, now you know, we got her, his mother some things for Christmas. I honestly, when I go to the mall, I never thought about this before, but I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, honestly, I look everywhere we go now. When I have my little boy out, 
out at the mall because I don't know if there's going to be a shooting. I don't know if there's going to be a mugging. I'm not allowed to have a gun, but every bad guy can. And I'm kind of nervous in our country today. You walk down the street and you see these signs. I drove around yesterday on visitation. I, uh, so I drove around and I saw about five different churches in the Willow Glen area, in that area. And not a single one of those churches, I don't think you go in and get born again. I saw their church signs. They promote social justice. They promote uh, social reform. They promote a liberal agenda. They have every flag but the Christian flag flying. They have the Black Lives Matter things out front. That's no more a church than a bingo hall. Say amen right there. I know I'm cutting it kind of tight, but that's just where I'm at this evening. Can I say we're living in a crazy day? You better believe judgment's coming, but it's not just crazy in culture. It's crazy in our churches. Why in the world would we try to change church to look like the world? Where do you find your Bible verse for that? You give me one Bible verse where it's okay to drop the standard, where it's okay to mimic the world, where it's okay to cut out the Bible, where it's okay to bring in the sounds of the world. You give me one Bible verse to justify compromise. You can't do it, but I can give you a bunch of verses that say hold fast to the traditions that you have been taught. It's sad. Can't have church unless there's a light show. Can't have church without a giveaway or a gimmick. What about the power of God? It's a crazy day. You go and preach the Bible like our stripe has always preached the Bible in churches that have the name Independent Fundamental Baptist and they look at you like you got five eyeballs. Shame on us. It's a crazy day. But there's some things we can do. There's some things Paul admonishes Timothy to do in a crazy day. Let me give you four things and I'll be quick. Number one, in a crazy day, you've got to stay stirred up. Look what it says here in verse number six. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Now here it starts. That thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And I believe Paul is referring to that prophetic office, that pastoral office, that call to preach that was placed upon Timothy at his ordination service. And he's saying, Timothy, I know you're discouraged. Everybody in Asia has deserted me. No doubt all of Asia is uh, sideways with you. I understand maybe you're preaching and nobody's walking the aisle. You're singing hymns and they call you old-fashioned. You're trying to live right and they say that you don't fit in. I understand that I'm about to die and I've been your support system. But Timothy, you got to remember the same God that called me called you. And the same God that loves me loves you. And the same God that saw me through will see you through in your day. So here's what you got to do. You've got something in you that God put in you when you surrendered. That God put in you when you got saved. you got to keep that thing stirred up. He's saying don't let it die. Don't let it dwindle. Don't let it get diluted. He's saying you keep fanning the flame of that touch of God on your life in a crazy day. You look at the culture. You look at the climate. You look at the conduct. But you're still just as cold as you ever were. Don't you get down. Don't you lose your zeal. You better stay stirred up. He's saying use what you've got. Now can I say there's a lot in this atmosphere that can make us not be stirred up. But there's much more in this book that ought to keep us stirred up. I want to challenge you. And I know you say that's light preaching maybe. But every bus worker ought to keep it stirred up. Every Sunday school teacher ought to keep it stirred up. Every choir member ought to keep it stirred up. Every orchestra member. 
Unless you're going to play what you did tonight. Just quit. No, no, no. No more of that. But, but keep it stirred up. I mean, every nursery worker, keep it stirred up. I mean, those who fix the meals, and keep it stirred up. It is not time to quit. It is time to get in. Dig in. Keep going. Keep it stirred up. I remember when I was called to preach. I've not gotten over it yet. If I could do something else, I'd go do something else. But I tell you, I want it every day. I think about it all the time. I love to read the Bible. I'm not a spiritual man, no. But I know God called me to preach. It's in me, and I gotta keep it stirred up, and you do as well. In a crazy day, keep it stirred up. Number two, not only just in a crazy day, stay stirred up. Let me say this, by the way, use what you've got. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy use what you've got. What you have might not be what I have. We put up Christmas lights at our house because we're just Mr. Christmas, you know, I am. I just love it. I love it. I wanted to put them up at Easter last year just to get a head start, but we forgot. And but anyway, we were putting up Christmas lights, and Lincoln was helping me, and he, he wants tools, but not toy tools. He wants tools, real ones. And I say, amen. I'm more worried about your boys wanting Barbies than mine wanting a wrench. So we go to Harbor Freight and places like that, and we buy tools. And by the way, I let him wear camouflage and cowboy boots, even if it clashes. I don't care. If his mom had let me, he'd be rubbing snuff, but he, she won't let him in. She's such a spiritual lady. But he has his little hammer. It's like this long, but it's real. And you might have seen us out there. I don't know, but he, he, he wanted to drive nails. Man, I didn't want him to drive nails because that house just got painted. But we don't own it, so I said, drive him, bro. You know, whatever. If, he'll probably watch and raise our rent. But anyway, he, he went to the fence because that's okay. The fence is softer wood and nobody will see it. And he sat over there and drove nails. He, he tried to use my hammer at first, but it's too heavy. He couldn't use what I was using. But thank God he had a hammer fit, just fit him just right. And he could swing that one and do just the same amount of work I did with the one that he could use. God doesn't give me what God gives you, and God doesn't give you what he gave me, but God gave us all something. When you got saved, you've got something you can use for God. Keep it stirred up. Number two, display discernment. In a crazy day, display discernment. Look what it says in verse number seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like that. In these crazy days, the tendency is going to be fear, is it not? But I'll tell you what takes care of fear. It's a sound mind. In fact, I believe that all these other things are taken care of if we get hold of the sound mind part. I think you're going to be right in the area of love, and I think you're going to be living right in the area of power if you can keep a sound mind. We talked about this at men's prayer last night. The battle that we fight, which is the fiercest battle, is not the battle without. It is the battle that we have within, in our own mind, all the time. So Paul writes to Timothy and said, I tell you what, in a crazy day, you're going to have to guard what you allow to influence you and how you allow it to influence you because once you lose your mind or control of it, you've lost the battle. Can I say that's why it's so important in this generation, the day and hour in which we live, that you watch what you feed on, that you watch what you read, that you watch who you follow, that you watch what you listen to, that you watch what you attend, that you watch who you run with because you can control what influences you. But once you allow it to get in, you have no control over how it influences you. And you and I have got to keep a sound mind. What does that mean? A mind that can discern. A mind that is stable. A mind uh, that uh, can see the gray areas and shine light on it. A mind uh, that is a restored or right or sane. Not a crazy mind, but a sound mind. It can see through the sham. It can see through that which is not genuine. It can dis discern what's right and wrong. It can discern what is good and what is best. 
I think we see it in the last days that Christians have no discernment. None. Zero. It is because of social media. And it's because we have a thousand pastors that we've never met before, one click away. And now everybody's a theologian because they've got a Wi-Fi connection. I know, maybe he'll preach it and you'll say, oh, here he goes again. But I'm in that generation and I use it, so I'm preaching it because I know it's right. When he says it, it's right. We all know it's right. We've no ecclesiastical separation at all anymore. Zero. Because, let me just read this blog. I know that she's a woman preacher and everything, but she's got one good point in it. Oh, that's really going to make, that's going to give you a sound mind, isn't it? Here, here's my advice to you, and I'm not, I'm not the pastor. I would say don't read anything, don't watch anything, don't listen to anything that goes contrary to anything that he would preach from the pulpit. God gives you a shepherd, not shepherds. Everybody all right? Display discernment. Be, under, be understanding. It's a contrast to the world. You've got to win the battle of the mind. Don't be soon shaken. Don't be puffed up. Be stayed upon the Lord. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Number one, stay stirred up. Number two, display discernment. Number three, I like this. Don't succumb to scrutiny in the crazy day. Look what it said in verse number eight. Be not thou there. Now, Paul's going to mention this word ashamed several times. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me. Now, jump down with me at verse number 11 and 12. Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, watch what he says. I am not ashamed. Now, you can see it again in verse 16. He talks about this good man named Onesiphorus. He said, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was watching this, not ashamed of my chain. I like what Paul's doing right here. He's saying, Timothy, you're going to live in a day where you're not going to be the popular kid at the lunch table. You're not going to be on everybody's uh, speed dial list. You're not going to get a whole lot of friend requests on your Facebook. He says it's going to be a lot in the flesh that will cause you to want to hang your head and blush and say, man, maybe I'm going the wrong way. So he admonishes him. Don't succumb to the scrutiny of the hour. Don't cave to the pressure of the day. Don't worry about the slander that comes from the world in which you live in. There's a lot of cause for that crowd to be ashamed. But Timothy, you don't have to be ashamed. Can I say tonight, as an old-fashioned Bible-believing Christian, there is no reason for you and I to hang our head or apologize or back up or get into this thing of, of, of trying to say, well, I'm sorry and try to get... No, we ought not be ashamed of what we are whatsoever. I believe we're right. If I didn't think we're right, I'd leave and go do something else. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. I like what he says. Don't be ashamed of the Savior that pardoned you. Why would you be ashamed of Jesus? Why would you be ashamed of the Lord? Why would you be ashamed of the one who gave his blood to save you from your sin? Oh, we ought to be proud that we know who Jesus is. But I like this. Don't be ashamed of the servant who preached to you. He said, nor of me. He said, man, nobody likes me, Timothy. Nobody likes me. They're all talking bad about me. Demas left me. Alexander's cussed me. He said, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. I thought about that. I wrote it down. Don't be ashamed of the Savior who pardoned you, but don't be ashamed of the servant who preaches to you. Man, God bless you. Isn't it amazing how folks, they'll put Trump signs and bumper stickers all over the place. Then they get an old-fashioned man of God who has the same disposition as a Trump, but better language. And then they spend their entire life as an apologist for their pastor. Sorry. That's what that is. That's Sorry. I thank God for that. I tell you who I'd be ashamed of. One of these skinny jean wearing, bedazzled t-shirt. 
Amen. Amen. Doesn't know if he has a Bible or not. I wouldn't be ashamed of a man of God. Because I'll tell you who you want to pray over you when you're sick. It's a man of God. And I'll tell you who you want to bury your loved ones when you need comfort. It's a man of God. I'll tell you who you want to wed your children. It's a man of God. And I'll tell you who you want to give you direction in your life. It is a man of God. Not one of these playboys from the point. No, it's a man of God. Don't be ashamed of the Savior who, uh, who pardoned you or the servant who preached you. What about this? <clears throat> Don't be ashamed of that saint who pulls for you. He said, man, no necessity for us. He loved me anyway. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad to be part of the family of God? There's division in our world, but there should not be division in our church. I'm not saying that there is. I'm just saying that there should not be. Ain't it amazing how this church is made up of so many different people? I was thinking about this morning looking around. There's a lot of faces that weren't here before COVID that are here now. I was thinking about looking around. There's people in here that have gone through divorce and folks who have seemingly a perfect marriage. They're all here. Rich people, poor people, young people, old people, white people, brown, black, whatever. People who speak fluent English, people who kind of have spotty English. We had two fellows here today, first time visitors from Iran, came to my Sunday school class, got to talk to them. They got saved through a Zoom, a Zoom meeting, just came for the first time. Isn't it amazing what God does? You ought not be ashamed of those saints who pull for you. You ought to thank God for the people you go to church with. I mean, we say it, and I know we mean it right. We'll say, thank God for North Valley Baptist Church, but I hope you don't think we say thank God for the building. Because the building's great and everything, but North Valley Baptist Church is not a building. It's the body. It's the people. And yeah, there's some weird ones here. I mean, you're here and I'm here, but the rest of them, we've got some great people here tonight. Hey, stay stirred up. Display discernment. Don't succumb to scrutiny. And lastly, tighten your grip on the Word of God. In a crazy day, look at verse number 13. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. He talks about sound doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Titus 1, Titus 2. He puts an emphasis on the fact you better know your Bible. You need a grip on sound words. You've heard the illustration before here. I know I've heard another preacher, I don't remember who it was, use it, and I've used it a lot, a lot through the years too, but a little boy came home from Sunday school and his uh, bus kid, I guess he was, and his parents hadn't gone to, to church with him. They were having a revival meeting at the church and he didn't say the word right. You've heard this before. His parents said, that was church. He said, great, we're having a great revival. He might say revival, but he said revival. But I think he got it right. If we would recommit to our Bible and reread our Bible and re-resolve to obey the Bible and recommit to believing the Bible... I think we'd be a good success like God told to Joshua. In days like this, what will keep a church from going crazy? The Word of God. What will keep a Christian? It'll give you the discernment you need. It'll help you stay stirred up. It'll keep you from succumbing to scrutiny. It's the Word of God. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of ungodly. What's his delight? The law of the Lord. He likes it in the daytime. He likes it in the night. He thinks about it from the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed. I think the problem in America is we have a lot of Bible-believing people who are not Bible-reading people. And though we have a Bible in our hand, we're not hiding it in our heart. Because I tell you what happens, the more you get in love with this book and the more that you get this book in your heart, the closer you're going to get to the Lord in the process. Strong church, strong marriage, strong walk. I always tell people on the radio this, and I'll close. Do three things every day. Number one, pray every day. Doesn't cost you any money to pray. It's free. Pray every day. Number two, read your Bible every day. Number three, witness to one person every day. I promise you if you do those three things, you can't help but be close to God. 
Read your Bible, pray, witness every day. We're living in a crazy day. I was in that meeting earlier this week, and there's a lady just weeping on the altar, tears coming down. And she got up, and me and another preacher were there, and the preacher said, can we help you? What is she? It's just so hard. That's all she said. It's just so hard. I don't know what she was even referencing. But it is a hard day. But it's our day to do something for God. We don't have to get a grip on these things. I pray God to help our church. It's more important than you realize to do something for God right now. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.